Well, let's look into the Word. Father, thank you for the help of the Holy Ghost. Let Pastor Buck be short-winded and help us to make an illustration that will help lives be transformed forever. Holy Spirit, work in every heart by, the, by, by knowing that the Word brings transformation of lives. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're working on this series, guys. Who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you that? We brought this out of Genesis 3 where he talks about who said you were naked? Who told you that? And can I tell you today, there's a lot of things that happen in our lives and we're not sure who told you that. Who told you you have to be sick? Who told you you can't witness? Who told you to be ashamed of the gospel? Who told you you'll never make it? You see, there's lies of the enemy. And remember, Satan is the father of lies. And if he can lie to you, it's one thing. <clears throat> but if you believe the lie, it's a whole nother thing. And there's a lot of people believe in these lies, and they have this, what psychiatric people and counselors call self-talk. I believe it's the voice of your conscience. The voice of your conscience speaks little words to you according to what you download into your life. You downloading Instagram. You downloading social media. You downloading CNN, Fox News, continually. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. See, something's going to come. You found out last week. If you've been in a spirit of fear, you better go listen to last week because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear but a power, love, and a sound mind. God's given you a spirit of faith to believe that anything is possible. Who told you that? The Word of God. Who told you that? The Word of God. And if you're downloading God's promises and God's Word in your life, you're going to be able to understand that that Holy Spirit on the inside of you is speaking to you the Word of God, the will of God, the purpose of God for your life. So I, I looked at the scriptures in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, where it says, let no one deceive you or beguile you in any way, for the day will not come except the apostasy. This word in the Greek is apostasia. It's called the great falling away. It says, comes first. I believe we're in that time right now. Unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians has come, the man, the Antichrist, the lawless man of sin and perdition is revealed who is the son of doom. Who told you that? So the Bible tells us also in 2 Timothy, ready? Last days, what, what are they going to look like? God gives us his will. He gives us his word. People will be lovers of themselves, verse 2 of chapter 3, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love. Look at that word, without love. Very important. Unforgiving, wow, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good. Interesting. Our key scripture today I want you to look at and meditate on. It's Matthew 24. And then many will be offended. What is Matthew 24 about? Matthew 24 is about these last days in which we live in. Many will be offended. There will be wars. There will be rumors of wars. All these things will happen at once. The Bible tells us that all these things are crazy, chaotic things of before the tribulation comes, before the rapture comes, the earth will have all these birth pains. And he describes them in Matthew 24. But listen what he tells us. This will be a time when many, can I tell you what the word says in the Greek? Actually, if you would translate that, some say most, some say the majority. The majority. Interesting that you can't take that away. The majority and, and you could say, Pastor, this is all peoples. No, you can figure out this is writing to the church. This scripture right here that the disciples were concerned about, the signs of the coming of the age, was written to the church. You say, how do you know that? Let me go on and read. He says, many will be offended, repelled, and begin to distrust and desert those who they ought to trust and obey. They will stumble, they will fall away, they will betray one another and pursue one another with hatred. Many false prophets will arise and deceive and lead many into error. But look at this one, verse 12. The love of the great body of people will grow cold 
because of the multiplied lawlessness and iniquity. The love, do you know what that word is translated? It's not eros, that's sexual love. It's not phileo, it's not brotherly love. It's not storge, a family love. That word is agape. He said in this last day, the agape love, the unconditional love, according to Romans 5, verse 5 and 4, where it talks about when you get saved, that the love of God, the agape, has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. The love of God, which is unconditional love. That's 1 Corinthians 13. Love is not arrogant. Love is not pride. Love is not egotistical. There's many different translations. Love doesn't get haughty and proud and puffed up. Love doesn't insist on its own rights. One translation, love is never offended. Love endures everything without weakening. So today as we listen to this, God tells us one of the great signs of the end of the times is people are going to be massively offended. People are going to be offended. That offended me. The way you dressed offended me. The way you talked offended me. I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm offended. How many know we have this self-talk sometimes in our life that I'm offended? And do you know the word of God offends? Jesus said, I didn't come to get you to get in agreement with me. I came to bring a sword. I came to divide some stuff. So when you hear your pastor say what the word says, don't forsake the assembling of the brethren in these last days. Come together more and more as you see the day approaching. Just do the word. As he says, don't rob from God. Just do the word. I'll tell you, some people get offended. My grandfather told me a long time ago, I came back from Tulsa when I was 13 to spend some time with my grandfather. And I, I said, Grandpa, he, he was an Italian Catholic guy, Mr. Abriola, a great business owner. And the first thing after I knew Revelation for several years of being in Oklahoma, I, I came back to him and I said, Grandpa, do you know Jesus? And he, he's a really cool cat. He's about five foot one. He had smoked a cigar about as long as he was tall. And he pulled a cigar out. And he said to me, he said, he blew some smoke. And he said, never talk about religion or politics to anybody. And I said, what, Grandpa? God loves you. Jesus wants to save you. He said, you don't talk about religion or politics with anybody because it'll, it'll bring offense. It'll bring hatred. It'll bring division. So the Bible tells us that, that, that there's going to be great offense. And it's funny what things are talking about. In our church, we have a no strife rule. Can I have an amen? A no offense rule. <laughs> and so it's just interesting in this political season, people say, don't talk about religion or politics. And what's God saying? Talk about religion and talk about politics. Because the man of God said last night, I was there when, the, when that crazy stuff happened with Morsi that had billions of dollars in other places. I got out of the car and I grabbed the flag and started waving the Egyptian flag and my interpreter and Figo said, get in the car, pastor. You're crazy. You get shot here. And, and, and there was traffic everywhere. And then right, right after I left, tanks were rolling through Tahrir Square and people were hurting each other. And, and I was thinking about that. You know what? He said, we got a new guy in office. CC, not Morsi. And he said, he's good for the Christians. How many know whether Joseph, whether Esther, whether Nehemiah, how many know when God puts a guy in office that's for the church, politics matters. You say, don't talk about that. Well, we have to. When someone kills 60 million babies and the guy in office says, we're going to kill more, I say, hell to the no. How many know politics matters and religion matters and we can't let it offend us? You say, well, a lot of people are going to be offended. That's all right. Not us. I'm not going to be offended. This guy's ready to die for his faith for a Bible and they get on the news and distort a story that Grace Life Church is breaking the law and they're going to take our tax. Are you kidding me? Are you hurt? Are you offended? Are you concerned about Channel 4? I could care less. I'm ready to give my life. Little sissy news guy with a camera I'm afraid of. Someone's ready to give their life for the gospel. We're afraid of a news reporter that's confused, been blogging in their grandma's basement for hours, and we're afraid of that? Come on, someone say we're strong. Strong, strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So offense will make you stumble. That's what it means. The word scandalon is this Greek word. It's the part of the trap that where there's the bait that you take. So the devil's wanting to get Christians offended. 
He wants you offended. Then you're his prey. Then you get caught in his trap. Then you get lied to and you believe his lies. Then you feel betrayed. Then you feel hurt. Then you feel upset and your heart can't receive the word of God. The Bible says guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. The devil wants you offended. And can I say this? This is my own two cents. I noticed that the offended people are the ones that give in to false prophecy most of the time. Offended people are the ones that are hurt most of the time. They follow goofy teachings. They give heed to their itching ears, and they put themselves under teachers that only preach what they want to hear. That's what Paul said. He said, from such, turn away. So I look at the scriptures, and I see that it says in Luke 17, I'll just give you the first scripture and explain it to you, and then we'll break this down. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto who they come through. Wow. So guess what? This week, guess what you're going to get? <laughs> guess what you're going to get on the job? An opportunity to be offended. Guess what's going to happen in your marriage? Opportunity to be offended. What's going to happen at church? Opportunity to be offended. What's going to happen in your Uber ride? Opportunity to be offended. What's going to happen at Christmas? Opportunity to be offended. What's going to happen over here? Opportunity to be offended. Guess what? It's coming at you in every way because the devil wants to sink a root of bitterness into your heart. He wants something to pull you down, something for you to trip over so you can be in a trap. And, and, and notice the context. I always used to think because I'm a word of faith guy and I heard preachers preach that, say unto the sycamine tree, be uprooted and be cast into the sea. I'm like, yeah, baby, I can pull a tree out of here and put it over there. But the context is faith for forgiveness. What's the context? If someone offends you, how many times do you forgive them? Seven, seven, seven. Jesus said, how about 70 times seven? In other words, the last day praying church at Grace Life is an unoffendable church. You know why? Because we're, we're praying in the Holy Ghost and our hearts are right. And we're guarding our hearts with all diligence, and we're forgiving. Joey will never offend me. Vinny, well, he'll never offend me. <laughs> Vincente Giuseppe Ferragonio. That's an Italian kid. Put the pepperoni away in church. <laughs> You'll never offend me. You'll never offend me. I'll never offend you. If you take that position, I'll say under that sycamine tree, it's interesting, a sycamine or mulberry tree is the tree that they used in that part of the world to make caskets. It's interesting that they said the roots of a mulberry tree can grow so rapidly and quick that they can destroy a foundation of a house in a few years. I was studying and I was thinking, this is the kind of stuff that an offense gets rooted in your heart and then it becomes a trap to your life and then you're meditating instead of on the forgiveness of Jesus for your life, you're meditating on what happened to you in 83. What happened to you in that divorce? What happened to you in that bankruptcy? What happened to you when that boss fired you? What happened when they took your money and you said, and, and you held that. You were done wrong, but you held on to the offense. Your mother-in-law was mean, but you held on to the offense. Your marriage had an issue, but you chose not to let it go. You held on to it. And then after you held on to it, you thought about it, and you thought about it, and all of a sudden it built up a stronghold in your heart. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, cast down every imagination and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, taking captive every thought. I hate her. I hate him. And this is that self-talk of who told you that? Can I be honest with you today? Who told you that? Sometimes it's yourself. Because your mind's unrenewed, and you rehearse the hurt, and you speak to yourself. One of the first persons you need to forgive is yourself. So I got in a big problem. I said, I just want to share a few things that build walls. In fact, I'm going to have a, who's a good construction guy in here? Steve, Steve, get, oh, right, come on, bro. Get up here, quick, quick. Yeah, yeah, you raised your hand first, dude. Okay. You, can you just hang with me today and be part of my sermon with your big arm self? Okay, here's what I want you to do. All I want you to do is take these, and I want you to take some screws, and what I want you to do is 
Nice. He hit. Look at that. Come on. How about the man of God at Grace Life? He, I don't even have to tell him what to do. Just, just go ahead and put about four screws in each sheet, and I'll tell you when to hang the next one if you'll just be submissive. By the way, what do you do? You build decks. This is advertisement for your company. You do all kind of great stuff. So, so listen. Now, now try not to focus on him. I know he's a good, some of you single ladies, a good-looking man, but chill. Okay? So look. Just, just put up one, get the second one ready. I don't want you to build that one yet. Just, just, and just sit on the edge of the stage like you're advertising for something. There you go. Just right there. I like him there. That's good there. Is that good? Okay, ready? Now listen. Look at the teacher like you're listening, okay? Just pretend you're listening. Okay? This is good, man. Someone get a picture of that. So look, look, look. Ready? I got in a big offense. My first job in the ministry, I was associate pastor at a church. And I had a situation with, with the youth where the youth got pregnant. And the youth, and, and I was trying to help the youth. And this certain doctrine of this church believed a different way. And they thought that youth should have to come up and confess their sins in front of the church with the boyfriend and say everything they did. Well, I just pulled out the words that love covers the multitude of sin. This is wrong. This is right. So I, there was a disagreement. Over this disagreement... I end up just leaving the situation. And my first job in the ministry really hurt me because I said, I knew enough to say one wealthy man said, Pastor, you're a great teacher and preacher. You go down the street, I'll start you a church and we'll bring everybody there. I said, I'm not going to be that guy. I packed my car and I left hurt. I left with a wound. Now, now I might have thought I was in the right because I stood for righteousness. And I was uh, standing up for this child. But the Lord said, every day that next nine months, you said, how dare he do that to me? How dare he do that to me? How dare? And so I was hurt. When you get hurt, you get put in a trap. When you feel betrayed, you get offended. When you get in the fence, you're stuck in a trap. And instead of waking up every day, now I was trying to read the word. I was trying to pray. But I had this root, this bitter root that was growing in my heart. And I didn't want to let it go. I was like, God, it's only right. I'm a young minister. I'm out of Bible school like one year. And how could this happen to me? See, that's the victim mindset. That factory said, we're praying that we live out of the tree of life, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so this thing's happening in my heart. I come home. I move home. I move into my parents' house, and I'm stuck. I'm like paralyzed. I can't move forward. I can't do anything else. I got this resentment. I got, I'm in this trap. I'm in this root of bitterness. I'm in this horrific situation. And I'm like, Getting calls to preach, I don't want to do it. I don't feel called anymore. Isn't it interesting how the devil lies when you're offended? I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't want to read the Bible anymore. I don't want to pray anymore. So put up the second board. So offense starts to build walls. When walls start to go up, you start to believe lies. It says your heart becomes like a walled city. Proverbs 18, 19. Listen, it's easier to conquer a strong city than to win back a friend whom you've offended. Their walls go up, making it nearly impossible to win them back. Their walls go up. So you might see a little wall here. You might see walls in King James or like a barred castle. So you're offended. Now you're halfway shut off. You're halfway shut off. You have a wall being built between you and other people. Now, now you say, well, I'm offended about the pastor over here, but it affected my other relationships. I'm offended by what happened to me, but it affected my other relationships. And so you might say, well, that was done five years ago, but you still carry it with you, like unpacked baggage. And you know what? You may have talked to counselors. You may have talked to people. There's something in the back of your mind saying, I feel like this thing, and it always seems to be with me because it's undealt with. Do you know after nine months, ten months, I was in torment. I was, my mom was telling me, you got someone called to Minnesota. You got to go preach. You got, I'm packing the car. She literally packed my bag, said, yeah, I told him you're coming. I thank God for a good mom. Amen. So I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. And this pastor was at Bible seminar. One day, I didn't know he was coming. He came and knocked on my door. Thank God he did. Because I was harboring bitterness to him. And I didn't know enough about my pride that blinds you 
that I should have been spiritual enough to go to him. But thank God he was spiritual enough to come to me. He knocked on the front door. I looked at him. He started weeping. He said, I was wrong. I shouldn't have treated you like that. I started crying. We embraced. The wall came down. The separation. Not yet. You're good, though. Come on. You're, you're staying with me. I know it. Give him money when we're done. Okay, but listen, I want you to get this. This is important. Uh, you know, the Steelers are playing. I have to take the helicopter today. <laughs> so, so, so listen, Proverbs 19, a walled city. Ready? Look at 2 Corinthians. So how? pull up the third wall. So we're building these walls. I moved to Pittsburgh. I get attacked. They tell me this is a great place, a preacher's burial ground. Your church won't last one year. Offense. How come pastors don't like each other? Offense. How come it's hard to plant a church here? Offense. Now it's not just offense. Now you can only see headshots. Now we're constructing a wall, and now pastors don't like each other. And so you're getting knifed in the back. You're just a young church plant. you got about 100 people and people lying about you. you got knives in your back. And you're learning to navigate through this offense. And finally, you get three or 400 people. You move into this place behind the Monroeville Post Office. And you start to see great momentum. You start to have pastor's conferences speaking to people's lives. And then all of a sudden, the owner of the facility steals from us $10,000, taps off our gas line, and steals from the church, which our gas bill was about two grand. It went to 10 grand. I knew something was wrong, but he came at me and he said, I'll kill you. I'll sue you. You have to move your church. In the midst of all this, guess what? We start to let this little bit of hurt into our heart. Yeah, put up the, put up the last board. And all of a sudden, our life looks like a, a walled city. We're cut off with relationships. We're cut off from God. We're cut off from our prayer life. We're cut off from the word. We're cut off from saying anything good because you know what? That self-talk's telling you. You've been done wrong. You've been done wrong. You've been offended. He should have never fired you. How come he did that to you? How come that relationship, she broke up with you? How come you got that divorce? How come he stole from you? Why did he steal from you? Now you're harping and the devil's using self-talk to say just like that, Pastor, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? When the devil makes you a victim, he puts you in his own trap. What's interesting with the scripture says, I want you to see this. This is why this was so important as a pastor for me, but I think it's important as a Christian. As a pastor, listen what it says. It says, for a true servant, 2 Timothy 2.24, of the Lord Jesus must not be argumentative, but be gentle toward all, skilled in helping others see the truth having great patience toward the immature. And with the meekness, you'll be able to carefully enlighten those who argue with you so they can see God's gracious gift of what? Repentance. How many know true humility, not pride, true humility says, Father, I was wrong. Whoa, 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 I was wronged. No, no, don't say repent. I was wrong. Don't you understand? I was wrong. But pride won't let you realize that you are wrong. Because you let it hurt you and you felt betrayed and you stumbled you got caught in a trap and then if you let that go on long enough you'll meditate on the offense and it'll produce hatred that's why the servant of the lord must not strive be gracious to receive the gift of repentance and brought to the truth ready this will cause them to rediscover themselves and escape from the snare of satan who caught them in his trap so that they could carry out his purposes. Did you ever think that Christians were carrying out, offended Christians are carrying out the purpose of the enemy? Because God said in Proverbs 6, he hates all this stuff, one who sheds innocent blood, but then he says the last one, and the Lord hates this, those who sow discord, slander, gossip amongst brethren. See, you can look at that and say, Pastor, and, and, and please don't, don't, when you hear this kind of stuff, don't go, I know a gossip. That's probably you. I know a slander. See, when God gives you his word, you bring it toward yourself. Now say, I know that guy. I know that girl. No, no. When we hear these words, we check our hearts. We cut the roots in our hearts. We look for the offenses in our hearts. And so when we look at this, listen to what he said. 
the trap so that they would carry out his purposes. One translation says they become errand runners for Satan. One guy prophesied. He said he's seen a great army coming against the church. And he said they were, they were the, these little demons that were on the backs of offended Christians that were the greatest problems for the last day church. Because I was offended. I was hurt. An offended Christian. An offended Christian because I was hurt. I was offended. And now they're doing damage to each other. That's why God says, I love it when my brothers dwell together in unity. I love it when they get along. Don't bring discord. The Lord hates that. Don't sow seeds of strife. Don't speak lies. Don't even talk about it. Do you know what that self-talk says? You know what? I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he did that. And some of you have that voice that is continually saying, your mom, we're going to the mother-in-law's, dear God. We're going to the Christmas event, Cousin Eddie. We're going to this, dear God. And I don't like him at church. I don't sit by them. I don't sit by this. Because you carry something with you that literally is destroying your life. But 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not mighty, are not carnal, but are mighty before God to the overthrow and the destruction of the strong. You want to do it or you want me to do it? Okay, go sit down, man. Come on, give it up. You coming on the men's retreat? Hey, someone pay for him to go on the men's retreat for free. We'll, we'll take care of it. You coming? Okay, well, get your money back because you're doing it for free. Come on, listen. Listen what he says. The destruction of strongholds. See, we build up. Where are strongholds? Principalities and powers. They're built up in your mind. Listen what he says. Strongholds. He says, inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories, reasonings, and every lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and we lay... And we lead every thought. Everyone say every thought. thought. How do you get free from an offense? We leave every thought captive, away captive to the obedience of Christ. So ready? Write your notes. I'm going to give you a quick lowdown. How do we destroy the strongholds? How do we? There's four things I want to give you. Write them down. Put them in your phone. How do we really be the last day church that knows how to break through strongholds for the last day church? How do we live offense-free, Pastor? How do we do this? Ready? The first one's important because we stay focused on the Word of God and mind renewal. I don't care how mature, immature you are. If you aren't focused on the Word, according to Romans 12, the Bible says that I beg you, therefore, by the mercies of God, present your body as a living sacrifice and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove whether it's that good and acceptable will of God. How, how, how many know when you know the word of God, you can crush some strongholds? Now, 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 now the word of God, Psalms 1-1, right? Blessed, enviable, enviable life is the man that walketh not in the way of the godly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the sea that's scornful. Please forgive me, I'm talking fast because I know the time and everything else. And sits in the seat of the scornful. A scorner's a gossiper. A scorner's one that sows seeds of strife nor sits in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the word of God. In this law does he meditate, mutter, or to speak day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water that brings forth his fruit in his season, and his leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Amen? So, wait, ready? Wait, 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 wait. Look at this, look at this. Look at this scripture. I'm giving it to you. Write it down, please. They had no, Mark 4:17. The Christians that got excited but had no root in themselves... They were offended because of the word, and immediately they are offended. They stumble and fall away because they have no roots. People get up. They want to prophesy. No roots. They want to pray. No roots. They want to do the will of God. No roots. They're not going to stand. They won't last. They'll be blown away by every wind of doctrine. But look at, look at Psalms. Ready? This is your key scripture. Psalms 119, 165. Great peace have they that love your word. Nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. Come on. How many love the word? I don't care if you love your pastor. Some people hate on me. Love the word. How many love the word? This man walks into my house last night. What did he bring me? He brought me a Bible this big. (laughs) That's the best gift. 
He brought me this beautiful NIV Bible with all the tabs in it. It's like this. It's got little, little commentaries in the bottom. He brought my wife another Hebrew study Bible. He brought, and I'm like, yes, we love the word in our house. Amen. How many, you want to overthrow destructions and strongholds, you got to love the word. In this last day, David said, thy word has been thy song in the house of my pilgrims. He said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word, thy word. Thank God for the word. Can you get the word in your heart? Look at number two, ready? Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. Pastor, how am I going to live an offended free life? Ready? This is the only way. You say, I'm, I'm thinking about another way, Pastor. Can I say it this way? I've never met a person that really prays that gets offended all the time. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God, the agape, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Jude 1.20, ready? How do we destroy strongholds? How do we get rid of offenses? <laughs> Come on, someone say pray. Jude 1.20, but you, delightfully loved friends, constantly, progressively build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keeping your hearts in the love of God. You know what? Somebody said some things the other day, and they were a pastor that I support and spend a lot of money on, and he said something really stupid. And the Lord said, Pastor, now's a good time to go do your message. Now's a good time to go walk in love. You'll never get too old, too spiritual, too blessed that you don't have to walk in love. But here's the deal. You ready? You know what I've learned? I can't love somebody that does me wrong. But the Holy Ghost in me gives me the ability to love somebody that hates me. And if you don't pray in the Holy Ghost and you don't know who the Holy Spirit is and you don't pray every day, you will get a hard heart. And so the first thing is the word. The second thing is you need to pray in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will keep you. He says, keeping yourselves in the love of God. And when something that really bothered you, it won't be able to anymore because you'll just let it go. You got, and when that hits me, I'm getting a professional at forgiveness, I'm telling you. I'm just living with an open hand like, come on, I can't be offended. I'm putting Pam sticking spray all over my body. Like when stuff hits me, it just bounces off. It slides off. Hey, the news said, I got 15 phone calls. One lady said, I can't believe that an occult church would stand up for the name of Jesus and, 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 and stand up for a governor that's righteous and spirit-filled and loves God and was a warrior and told about how when they prayed in Desert Storm that chemical warfare was coming at them, but the Holy Spirit, as we fasted and prayed, pushed back the chemicals on the enemy. That's a man of God that I want leading Pennsylvania, and I'm going to shout it from the housetops, and I'm not going to be ashamed that this city and this nation is being turned for the good. But some people say, Pastor, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. Yeah, when people in China are getting ready to give their head for the gospel, I got to be careful. Give me a break. No offense, right? Everyone say, pray in the Holy Ghost. By the way, if you come to the men's retreat, you're going to come out of there faith-filled, praying in the Holy Ghost. We're going to pray together. We're going to do the word together. And we're never going to be the same in Jesus' name. Don't miss that. I, I, I just hope we don't get to heaven and the Lord calls you before the throne and says, you know, Pastor, I just couldn't make it to prayer, Jesus. <laughs> Busy, Lord, you know. Just building my house, fixing my boat, going to the Steelers game. We hated the Patriots. I asked you, to, your pastor asked you 26,000 times in his life, will you come to prayer? Will you pray? Will you read? And you were busy. Wow. Someone say pray in the Holy Ghost. The only way to keep that wall of offense down, guard your heart with all diligence. Prayer and the word will do that. But look, look at the other one, this third one, this third one. What do we do? It says, in every relationship, be swift to choose peace over competition and run swiftly toward holiness. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Watch over each other, making sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. And make sure that no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting up within them, which only will cause trouble and poison in the hearts of many. God says, if you want to be free from events, put 
axe to the root of bitterness in your life. Put an axe to the root today. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done here, so stay tight, stay focused. You, I can't do it for you. You have to put an axe to the root of bitterness in your life. It's not about grandma. It's not about your cousin. It's not about your boss. It's about you today. You have those roots growing in your heart, and you feel stuck like I was. But this is a big one right here. Take an axe to the root. And you know what? You know what I'm asking God for? I'm a faith man, right? I've preached this my whole life, man. I believe faith pleases God. But when the Lord dealt with me about 20 years ago, he said, you know what this scripture in Luke 17 says? You should use your faith for, you should use your faith for forgiveness. God, help me to forgive. Help me to let go. Release and let go. Judge not lest ye be judged. You'll get a payback of good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's always out of context. People call it about money. It's not. It's about judgment, criticizing, and condemning. We'll come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And if that comes back to you because you do it to others, that's not a good thing. Amen? So cut the root of bitterness. Take an ax to the root. And what, what, what is the main thing I believe in life you'll use your faith for? To believe you're righteous. Because the devil will tell you every day how unworthy you are. What's the second thing you'll really need to use your faith for that's spiritual? I forgive you. And I'm having the best marriage ever at 39. How many know I turned 39? <laughs> because I'm walking in love toward my wife. And we made a no strife rule in our church. So we made a no strife rule in our home. We might as well have it in our church too. Amen? A no gossip. A no speaking negative. A walking in agape love of God. Unconditional love. Being in humility, putting ourselves under, putting others first. But listen to this last one. This will get you. So we, we do the word of God. We love it. We knock down these things because our minds are being rerouted. Number two, we pray in the Holy Ghost because we stay in the love of God. Number three, guess what? We put a root today to any continuing root of bitterness that will grow up and defile our lives. So when we leave this place today, we're all going to leave with no baggage. Come on, amen? amen. We're all going to leave free. I, you know what? I'm sick of hearing church hurt. The biggest hurt in your life is the church you just left. My pastor, my people in my church, I get, like they're all demons or something. The problem's usually you. And wherever you go, there you are. Anyway, you'll figure it out in a minute. How many know you have to do with, deal with you? You have to deal with your heart. You have to guard your heart. But this last one was really hard for me to do. And this is, this is probably the hardest one. So let's do it last. Amen. This is probably the hardest one. Ready? Understand the context. This is really hard to do. Uh, but you have to do it. And you only can do it if you're full of the word and by the Holy Ghost. It's Matthew 5. Jesus tells us, however I send you, love your mama. Is that, oh, pastor, that's cute. Love mommy. No, that's not what it says, is it? That's easy to do if you like your mom. Love your wife. Well, that's easy to do. Love your kids. Love, love your neighbor. Yeah, pastor, I, I'm, I've done all those things. It's not what Jesus said. He challenged us. He said, love your enemy. How do you do that, pastor? Love your enemy. Bless those, this is it right here, who curse you. It's pretty hard to do. So ready? Last story. We left the one center we were in. We put 350 grand to buy that building. Man, the lady kind of had a plan. She called us a cult because they were Catholic and, of course, the same attack. Kept our money, said, I'll sue you. Get out of the lease. Break the lease. You're going to have to leave the building. And I was ready to fight. And the Lord said, don't fight this. Time to go to the backside of the wilderness. That's called the Stenta Movie Theater. If you ever get sent there, no. It's the backside of the wilderness. There's gum on the floor. There's pop everywhere. There's stickiness on your shoes. But the backside of the wilderness is where Matt and Larissa showed up. Amen. The backside of the wilderness where the Cogley showed up. The backside of the wilderness. How many know there's a backside of the wilderness that can help you? So, so, so listen to what he says. Bless those who curse you. 
do something wonderful for those who hate you. This word is those who abuse you, those who hurt you, those who curse you. Bless them. Forgive them. Wow. So here's how God sets me up for this. That's why I said that. We move out. I'm mad as a hornet. I'm like, God, if you don't want me to leave right in the middle of that, I got offered a job at a massive church in the Midwest. And I'm like, I'm thinking about taking that. The Lord said, I didn't call you there. Bless those who curse you. My wife said, you just got drywall in your boot. Oh, well. Come on, say bless those who curse you. So here's how it's set up. I'm, I'm at this Monroeville night out thing. It's up in the park up here where all these businesses come together. It's right after this thing, maybe two weeks later, we moved into the building I didn't want to move into, by the way, just so you know, my wife set us up for that. I said, I'm done. She said, I'm making some phone calls. She called the temple. She called another guy that we gave a lot of money to that had no people in his church and had a massive gymnasium right here in Monroeville, a mile from where we were, actually right behind where we were. No people come to the church. And I just encourage him, coaching him, loving him, trying to teach him to win people to Jesus. And, and, and I called him. I thought, we're good friends. You got that gym downstairs and you got that massive parking lot. You'll let us use that, I'm sure. He wouldn't return my call. I'll have to check with the board. He made every excuse. I said, Lord, I'm done. People don't like each other here. I want to bounce. I'm at that Monroeville night out. I'm walking. And I got my handy-dandy cell phone out. And the Holy Spirit's dealing with me as I'm walking through the place. And I look up, and there's that couple that offended us. And the Holy Spirit hit me right there, and this compassion came over me. The Lord said, they may have done you wrong, but what if they go to hell and burn forever? Who's texting me right now? Anyway, what if they go to hell and burn forever in hell? Is that the punishment you want them to have? And the compassion of Jesus came over me and I started weeping. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, pray for them now. And I said, I pray for his salvation. I pray for her salvation. I pray for their kids. I pray for their business. I pray that they prosper. I pray that they come to know Jesus. I pray that they're healed all the days of their life. And you know, the devil's getting mad on the inside. Stop it, stop it, stop it. And I'm like, I bless their dog. Even if they have a cat, I bless the cat. I, I hate cats and I bless the cat. I kept speaking in love. I, I bless them. And the devil come and say, but they offended you. Do you know what? They, you know how much money they took? See those little words, self-talk? You count the money they took. They ruined your opportunity. God said, that's in my hands. That's not yours. Bless them. I said, I bless him. I bless her. I bless her kids. I bless. Well, then he pulled a fast one on me. To get to the distenta, we take a shortcut to go to church every Sunday morning. And I have to drive by their house. And they're walking their dog. And the Lord said, how do you really feel? And I said, Father, I bless them. And I pray that they make heaven and miss hell. I pray that their house is paid off. The devil starts lying to you. I pray that their grandkids serve God. I pray that their children are blessed. I pray that they have more than enough. Heal their bodies, God. Thank you. And all of a sudden, you know what I found out? get back through again there's no walls up in my life I've been blessing folks I can come in and go out my heart is not like a walled city I see and know the will of God and now my heart's clear my conscience is clear I've been in the word I've been praying in the Holy Ghost and I've cut all the roots and I thank you Lord God that I'm blessing those God caused a lot of problems. The Lord said in COVID, start writing pastor's checks. I don't know what happened to you, but in COVID, this church went to another level. We pulled out $20,000, $30,000, and I told my staff, start taking checks to church people. They said, even him? I said, yeah, even him. That guy doesn't like you. I know, bring double. That neighbor, that neighbor, his dog, like Seth said in the Christmas day, he craps on my lawn. And I've watched neighbors come over with a shovel and throw it back on the neighbor's lawn. In fact, they did it to my lawn. I watched a guy throw all the dog crap on my lawn. And it wasn't, I didn't even have a big dog then. Anyway, I just thought about that. Maybe I do have bitterness toward that. Anyway, 
Do you remember that, babe? See, devil, you're stupid. I need to close because someone has to clean this up. You'll help do it. Hey, look, the bearded wonders here. They're going to go put that in my truck. Hey, listen, let's close here. But listen, listen, listen. Ready? How many, how many can do that with me? Bless those who curse you. That no, Nobody's clapping about that. Bless those who curse you. This is up to God. It's not up to you. And when we're in pride, we think we're the ones that make a decision. And we don't want to see our enemies prosper. We don't want to see them be blessed. And God says, here's how you release everything. There was four crazy friends that carried their buddy to Jesus for healing. And Jesus said, they let him down through a roof. And you know what Jesus said to them? They said, heal him, heal him, heal him. And Jesus looked and smiled and said, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. How dare we hold an offense when we offended God? When our lives spat in Jesus' face and he said, come to me, I love you. We were telling him, I want nothing to do with you. And he said, come to me, I love you. In the midst of your sin, your stinkiness, your craziness, your religion, and all your stuff. I shed my blood for you, and I came after you while you were dead in your own sin. I'm still coming toward you with my love. When you tell me I don't want nothing to do with you, you wake up every day and I let you breathe, and I try to let you see my goodness, and I try to let me see. I forgive you because in Christ, you are forgiven forever. You just need to believe it. And then in the Lord's Prayer, guess how we get forgiven? Just like we forgive others wholly and completely. So what am I meditating on? If you don't meditate on the blood of Jesus and how God's forgave you, you'll never forgive others. And I think what I've been forgiven for, all my religion, all my shortcomings, all my stupidity, and he wakes me up every day and gives me new grace and new mercies. Every morning, great is thy faithfulness. You know why? Because I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Today, this is the greatest revelation in the gospel. God loves you and forgives you because of Jesus. We offended God. But God, who loved us so much that he gave his only son, that whoever believes on him, what are you believing in? He died on the cross. He rose again on the third day. He did it to make it personal. He took all your sin to that cross. He nailed all your shame, all your hurt, all your pain, all your offenses were nailed to the cross so you could live a life full of freedom and forgiveness. And when you know how much God has forgiven you, you can forgive 70 times 7 every day. My mom used to say, as a kid, people would do me wrong. Some guy smashed my car window and took my stereo and took all my speakers, about $3,000 worth of stuff, amplifier. And I didn't know that he was the guy that stole it. But I took him to lunch three days later, and I found out in the middle of lunch, and I paid for his lunch. I said, oh, well, why hold, what's it going to do now to be offended, to be angry? And you know what? When it comes to sin... When it comes to issues that people have, honestly, that have hurt me and left this church, I had a guy at my house the other night. I prayed him and blessed him. And the Lord told me strategically, I want you to pull him into your house, and I want you to call the governor over. And I want you to put your arm around him, and I want you to say, this guy helped us do this. And the Lord said, that'll bless him and break down all the walls. And I told my wife, that wasn't for me. I'm free. That was for him. What if we would get the mindset of, I want to see people heal and go free and not be offended? Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Father, I thank you for the help of the Holy Ghost to show every person what's in their lives and their hearts today. If they're harboring bitterness, unforgiveness, envy, strife, evil work, but I thank you today that the greatest message is that we are forgiven. Today you're forgiven. Today, you don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to feel guilty. God loves you. 
If you would just cry out to him and say, I believe in that forgiveness. I believe in that sacrifice. I believe in the cross. I believe Jesus is the son of God. And I want to apply his forgiveness to my life and be a forgiver the rest of my days. You say, Pastor, pray for me to know Christ in a personal way. That's me. Lift your hand up right now. Say, that's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Today I want to be forgiven. Pop your hand up right now. Thank you. Somebody else. Say, today the Holy Spirit's dealing with me. I want to be forgiven. I want to move forward. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody else. Thank you, ma'am. Back there. Thank you. Right there. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I want to be free. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody else. Come on, just pop your hand up. Say, today's my day. Wow. Let's all pray out loud. And you online pray this too. Text us and give it my life to Jesus. Say it with me. Father God, today I receive all of your forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. You're my sacrifice. You died on the cross. You did it for me. You rose again. I decree you're the son of God. And today you're my savior. Today you're my Lord. Today I'm forgiven and I'm free because I'm a child of God. Come on, give a shout if you believe it. Listen, listen. When I woke up this morning, I want everyone to stand up right now as Jeremy comes and I'm going to walk out, but I want you to focus. The Lord told me there's people in here They've been carrying weights and baggage as a fence. Y'all can go load in the car. Weights, baggages, take, take Dr. Factory. We're going north, brother. And, and, and how, many, how many would honestly say, I don't know what the situation is. Everyone looks straight ahead. Say, but pastor, I see some of these issues in my life where there's been offenses. And I'm ready to let them go. I don't know what they are. I don't care. Just put your hands both up like this. I'm ready to let some things go today. I don't care. There was, a, there was a lady. There was a lady. A friend of mine named Joel Osteen told me this face to face. There was a lady he talked to in his church. And he said, a guy murdered her son. She said, I can't bear this. I have to go to the prison and minister to him. She got the guy saved. She started visiting him every day. He got out on parole 10 years later. She, that boy lives in her house. You talk about forgiving, that's her new son. That's letting go some stuff, amen. Father, with every hand lifted up, and you can continue, Pastor Jeremy, when I leave. But I've been commissioned by God and the Holy Ghost to break every offense, every hurt from a father, a mother, every molestation, every divorce, every bankruptcy, every hidden sin, every issue, every soul tie, every offense. I decree this church will live offense free from the plan of the enemy. And I thank you we won't stumble, we won't live in betrayal and hatred, but we will do these things we preach today. Say it with me out loud. I will live free from offense in the name of Jesus. Take over.